So I'm going to be sharing from Psalms 119 this morning. And, uh, well, I'm going to start there. And Stevie was supposed to, was going to speak this morning. And then he's, he's so we had a, had a few weeks to prepare. And so what I did on Monday, Sunday, last Sunday, we prayed. And during our, our pre-service prayer, we prayed about um, compromising, not compromising our faith. And when I started to pray, I felt like the Lord spoke through me and like shared some stuff like in prayer. And then Judy, who's with her, her niece in the hospital this morning, Judy said, you need to like teach on that. So me not thinking I was teaching this Sunday, I just went ahead and went into my little Evernote on my phone and every throughout, throughout the week I sat and I just jotted down some stuff. So I'm, I, this morning I woke up and put some of that together. And so it's going to be kind of like a discovery. We're going to move forward and some of the things that I'm thinking and you guys get to decide if it's true or not. Isn't that awesome? You can decide that anyways. You should be thinking every time I'm speaking, you're going, is that happening in my life? Do I believe that's true? If what he says is true and it's scriptural, then why am I not experiencing that kind of peace? Instead of, oh, I just can't have that kind of peace. It's why am I not experiencing that? And how do I get some of that peace? I'm not, I'm not experiencing that sort of friendship. I'm not experiencing a life of without without turmoil and worry and conflict all the time instead of go i can't have that that's not for me because of what i did we say hey i get some of that because of what jesus did so how do i go get that that jesus purchased for me it's a different it's changing our mind in some of those areas in a lot of those areas so when i say what comes to your mind when i when, when you hear the phrase i don't want to compromise my faith or I don't want you to compromise your faith. Or if somebody says, they're all three similar, they're not three different answers. You shouldn't compromise your faith. I want you to think about what that brings up in your mind. What do you see? What would compromising your faith look like? And then, without teaching, because that's my job, tell, just tell me what, what, you, what, you, what you see when you say uh, you shouldn't compromise your faith. Well, no, it has to be not, not denying God. That would be yes, but something, something. You guys have something in your minds, don't you? Doubt. Don't doubt would compromise your faith. Don't doubt. Sin. Okay, sin. That's the answer I'm looking for, Don. Pat yourself on the back. Sin. Anything else? That, that covers all of it. Right. But mostly when we think of when we think of don't compromise your faith, we think or we used to think don't smoke, don't drink. It, a lot of denominations don't go to movies, don't dance, don't be seen drunk, don't be with this kind of person, don't get a tattoo. Girls have long hair, boys have short hair, all of these things that we've had in the past that we would have taught at least I have been, that those would all be compromising your faith, right? That, that would be, so it would be sin. It would be, include fornication and, and things like that, robbing somebody, beating somebody up. All of those things we would think about would be don't compromise your faith, right? Yes, yes, okay. So all of us would hate to think that we're compromising our faith, right? And over time, what we do is we eliminate those things that we see that would compromise our faith. All right, and here's in Psalm 119. 
And I still hear to this day, I don't drink because I don't want to compromise my faith. But what I don't hear of that same person saying is, I don't hold unforgiveness in my heart because I don't want to compromise my faith. You see what I did there? I took a superficial thing people can see that I don't want to do to compromise my faith, but I will hold on to bitterness and resentment and hide. I don't know if you know this, but I used to get teased by how I took a drink of water when I was at City Church. (laughs) Not by anybody here, mostly by David Reed, who some of you know. Because I would have a bottle of water, and it would always be my first drink. And I would talk like way faster than I talk now, and I'd teach for like a long time, like 45 or 50 minutes. And and then I would would get like tired, and I'd get a point, and I'd take it, and I'd go, gulp, gulp. Because it was, you know, the water's right at the beginning. I kind of squeezed it accidentally. And, and he would tease me all the time about drinking that way. So that's the drinking problem that I have. So in Psalm 119, 1 to 4, blessed, it says, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong but follow his ways. You've laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. And then down in verse 10, that's 1 through 4. I'm going to read 10 and 15. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. In fact, these six verses that I just read, actually all of the way up to uh, verse verse, uh, 16, are really a great way to look at the value of God's commandments and the value of God's laws of following those, whether you call them commandments or laws or rules or precepts. Now, we have a lot of teaching that's come out in the last couple decades that we're we're anti-law, but the law does us a favor by pointing out where we need Jesus. So when we are not able to follow the law, we know I need help, but the law can't help me follow the law. Jesus, the cross helps me fulfill that. And then out of my life with him, out of that life that's in me, I begin to do those things. So what I would like to, uh, to take a look at, this is a fantastic way to look at God's commandments. So we walk in the law. We don't do anything wrong. We fully obey. We follow his ways. We don't stray. And we meditate on God's rules, on his ways. And then we will be blessed. I would like to propose this morning that that's Old Testament. That's the old agreement. The new agreement is I am loved, fully adopted, fully accepted, 100% in his family, 100% uh, he has 100% commitment to me, and I have an inheritance in him. And then in that, from that place, then I walk in the law. I do no wrong. I fully obey. I follow his ways. I meditate on his word. Does that make sense? So the Old Testament is, 
I do a lot of things to get a lot of stuff right, including my sacrifice of, my, of the animals and the wheat and the celebrations and get the days right and the timing right. And my heart doesn't have to be in it. I do it and I'm blessed. The new agreement is a relational context where God says, I will do both my part and your part. I'm so assured of the power of my love and my commitment to you that even if you don't have a commitment to me, if you just embrace me a bit and get in my family, then my commitment's there. And then out of that love, that, that, that passionate love that I feel and experience for him, then I begin to respond, respond to him and give him love, and then I love other people around me, okay? So I'd like to, I'd like to talk about that the compromised faith is not sin. Now, compromise, a uh, sin can be an indicator of compromised faith. But when you, when you, if you drove up to a bridge and there was a sign, and the sign said, this bridge has been compromised, would you want to drive over that bridge in your car? No. So if your computer system is compromised, it's not that any of the programs that are running on it are wrong in per se, it's not that the hardware or the hard drive or your monitor or your internet connection is bad. It means your system has been compromised and the whole thing is not working as it should. Okay? <clears throat> and I don't know if you can compromise an electrical system, but you just think in this building here we have lights, we have the air conditioning, we have the soundboard, we have the Wi-Fi going on and things like that. But And I, I could have some light bulbs go off, and I can go and replace them, and then next week replace them again, and then next re week replace them again. And somewhere down the road, get tired of replacing light bulbs, and I decide that it's the actual light fixture or the socket. So I replace that, that part of the fixture up there. And then over time, I, that exhausts me. So I go to another level, and I replace the, the light bar, and that doesn't fix it. So I keep replacing the light bar, but that exhausts me. So I check all the wiring, but when something is compromised, it is, it is, it is not, it's, it's not the, the thing that you see's problem. So when we see sin in our life, it's coming from a compromised system that we're running God's word on. So we're getting, we're getting input, we're getting teaching, but we're allowing it to bring us to shame because our, 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 our heart, our, the, the gospel within us has been compromised. There's something not working. I hear that Jesus wants me to obey, and then what I do is I go find a list of rules that somebody wrote in a book saying, this is the seven promise keepers of a husband. This is the... This, this is the Husbands have seven things to be a promise keeper. Women have Proverbs 31, so they have like 31 things to do. It's just the way it is. Sorry. It's just how, it's just how it worked out. But what we do is we rush to, God wants me to be obedient to him, so let me then find a church that will tell me how to be obedient to God. So therefore, I go in and I ask, I, I actually choose a different master than God because my system's been compromised. The way I think about the gospel is compromised. I don't, I don't need you to tell me what rules to follow. I may ask you, I may need that help, but over time, as I realize that there's something compromised, I go to the power source. I go to, I go to the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. I go to the foot of the cross. I go up. I go up where I'm seated already in heavenly places. I'm what do they call it? I'm by 
I'm not bivocational. I'm bilocational. I'm, I'm here on earth with Jesus living inside of me, and I'm already up in heaven sitting next to Jesus as he rules. I, 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 it's the fullness of me. So I go to those foundational things first before trying to fix a bunch of things. We do it all the time. <clears throat> you know, Cretia, watch how well I take a drink. Kidding. I've been away. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, so I want you to think about that. So where, where in your, in your life are you, are you looking at your life and saying, that's sin. I wish I didn't have that. I wish I didn't think that way. I did wish I didn't do that. I can't believe I'm still dealing with that. Instead of doing that and saying, I'm breaking the rules, so God's not going to bless me, we, we, can, we can go to the new covenant, the new agreement, and say, God is blessing me, and because he has blessed me, because I'm a, I'm a favored child of God, things will happen. And these things, as I really, as I really sink in with him, these things will begin to be fixed and healed and brought to life. The dead things in my life will be brought to life. And so this idea of being compromised changes a lot. So in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, Beloved friends, and this is in the Passion Translation. I've been reading the last few months the Passion Translation. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's, God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourself to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experience all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transfer, transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. And then in John, I've got to decide where I'm going to go here. In John 6.29, it says, and roughly translated, it says, Your good work is to believe. Your good work is to believe. And I'd like to suggest this morning that our belief is what we've compromised, not, not the rules. That it's our belief. Because if I am not living according to how I believe God's telling me to live, then there's a compromised belief system or a compromised faith in me that's producing that outside of me. And my part, as stated here in, in Romans 12, is the renewing of my mind. I have zero part in entering into the family of God except for receiving, right? But I do have a part, I do have a part in me living out my fearfully and wonderfully madeness. And that part is renewing my mind. And as I, as I believe in his goodness towards me, as I believe in the work of the cross as a, as a functioning work that's doing something right now in me, in fact, a lot of times I pray, and I'm just like, whatever's going on, I'm like, man, 
The cross means something, and it means something right now. The cross means something, and it means something right now. If, if I'm having trouble in my thought life, if I'm having trouble in my home, if I'm having trouble just in the, thinking about the future, or the, all of those things that I described, I said the cross, the cross means something, it means something to me right now. It's not some future hope that I get, although there is a future hope. But if we talk so much about the future hope, we forget that there's a present hope right now for each one of us that we have a right to. We're not asking for anything that's not rightfully ours. When I say, God, I want peace that passes understanding, I'm asking for something. He's like, he's like loaded up like in one of those T-shirt guns ready to shoot me down the piece of passes all understanding. It's just going to robe me up just like. Just like I was at the Rockets game or something, I'm gonna get, it's gonna, and I'm going to have that peace that passes understanding. That's available to me. Not only is it a possible, it's available. It's a desired thing that he's wanting us to believe in. But if I don't ask for peace that passes understanding, it means that it, it, I, I won't probably experience it. But it means that there's something uh, not going right within the context of my belief system. So my belief system has been compromised. So I think that compromised faith is the actual belief that God is a good God. The actual belief that he's a good God generally and specifically he's a good God father to me. God, not, not, not God father. I don't want you to get like the this and like this and that, you know, the, the tough Italian guy who put Marlon Brando, you know, eating at a Mex- not Mexican restaurant. I am so from Texas, aren't I? I just like, that's where I would eat. If I was a godfather in Houston, I would be at Papacitos every day at my table in the back. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> I did that. Um, but not that God, but I mean God slash father. So just want to talk a little bit. Uh, well, well, first, this is, what a comprom- this is what a compromise is in definition. It's an agreement or a settlement of a dispute that is reached by each, each side making concessions. Now, Satan's already made a concession that he can't have you. That's his concession he made at the cross. When, when we say, I, I come to Jesus through the cross or Jesus come to me, then there's no, there's no absolute way that Satan has any right to me. And there is some long obscure way probably out here that I could, you know, turn on, you know, I could, I could blast me the Holy Spirit, all, all that. But, but we're not doing that. So I've got that. So the compromise then is, our, Satan's already made the compromise. I get to stay on earth and, and, and produce something that will glorify God, us choosing God. That gets a little bit complex. But the thing is, is that we are the ones that then make an agreement with the enemy that we will compromise. He's already compromised with our owner, with our father, with our creator. We're the ones that then agree. So we hear something wonderful. I get peace that passes understanding. And Satan's like, I don't know if you can have that. I haven't had it before. Do you know anybody who has that? And look, you know what? You're not a very peaceful person. You have this family lineage of not being at peace, of being tormented. You have all of this. And he talks to us. We're like, you know what? He's right. I'll make a compromise. I will find a cave to live in and have some false peace. 
and I will call that peace. I will find a church I can go to that doesn't believe in praying for my mind, and I'll be safe in that area. I'll go to a church that doesn't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, so therefore I can stay in hiding and be in this false peace and still walk around and have a sign or an outward expression of faith and outward expression of prosperity, but never be prospering in my soul. So this, this idea of compromise is not just with the enemy. Most of our compromise takes place right in here, right in here. Right in here. I, I've, heard it for, I've, I'm not, I've heard it for myself all my life. 1975, 76. Uh, I'm in a great church for a few years. Took a long time to find a great church after that. I tell you what, it uh, gets difficult. Some of you have met my old youth pastor, Patty, Patty and Curtis Cluett. She was Porterfield at the time. She seemed super old when she was my youth pastor. I was 13. I think she was 20. <laughs> But she seemed ancient. Now she doesn't seem that old, I mean, at all. She's, you know, they became friends. But so at that time, I began to believe in healing. I got healed at the, at, in the balcony of our church. I had had in eighth grade, I had passed out in a church service, and I had a, 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 a combination of exhaustion. I had worked. I played football in seventh grade. I had worked on a farm. It's a long story right going, before going into eighth grade. And I got, I got a tutor for like four months all that semester. I just, my whole body had shut down basically. And, um, and like about six or eight months later, I'm, I'm Mario Murillo comes. He's an old school prophetic revivalist guy out of San Francisco area. He came, called out something, a word of knowledge. I got, I got healed. So I believed in that. And then you do what? You go to college, you get smart, you're around people who don't believe in that. They have all their reasons, and so you make an agreement. You make an agreement. God does heal, but he doesn't heal hardly anybody, and it's something that uh, will get healed when we die. So we make an agreement. I compromise with my intellect or with my old man. I let my old man run a script on me of how I will respond. So then I walk in a life of comp- where my faith is compromised. When my faith is compromised, I don't lay hands on people and pray for their healing. Okay? And so you go back and forth. You believe in the prophetic or you believe in you believe that God wants to prosper you, that God wants to give you something great. He wants to improve your your marriage, your parenting, whatever it is, but then we compromise our faith. It's really easy to do with adult children, isn't it? Kids after about 13 years old, you're like, I believe, I believe, I believe. God told me this. Woo! And then it could be six months or six years later, something's come in and your faith is compromised. Your faith is compromised. So we have to, like, work on that faith that Jesus said this. I'm going to believe it. I'm I'm not going to force it to happen, but I'm going to act in that way. I'm going to talk to God. Uh, This is what I felt like when I was praying for my son, which I still do. He's be 30 this year. Or not my, it's our son, but, uh, I, you know, God's like, you know what, Les, sometimes when you pray for people, I don't even know who you're talking about because you describe them in all the very worst ways. God's not talking, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit aren't there come up and describing me by my list of sins. They're describing me by my identity as a child, as a son. So when I began to pray for my son, I began to pray for him in a different way. In a way that sometimes didn't seem authentic. 
But because I had compromised, I thought authenticity is what I saw and what I didn't see instead of what the Lord has already said about my children. So that's the, that's the greater reality. That's the greater authenticity. The great, the, it's not me being super authentic. It's me believing what he says about me and me being authentic. And I'll teach on some of that uh, new creation, old creation, that fight that goes in there. But I want to end with this. Here's some, in, 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 some indicators of com- compromised faith. And you can help me with this message sometime down the road if you want to send me some, some thoughts on, on indicators of compromised faith and stuff like that. These are things I've, I've worked on this week. So anything that you say that you believe yet are not doing is an indicator of compromised faith. If I say, I believe God wants to heal people, but I'm not offering to pray people for healing, then I'm operating out of compromised faith. Okay, does that make sense? If uh, if I'm not actively participating or moving towards the things I say I believe, it's an area of compromised faith. And oh, oh another area I didn't bring up that, um, but your you know your your body gets compromised. You know we have we go for the headache or we go for this pain, but your 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 when your immune system is compromised, it can go your whole body can go nuts. So and then, we'll, but when we just go to fix the headache or the little bit of pain, we miss that the, the system's compromised. Anything here, here's another way uh, an indicator. Anything you have said or would say today that God has told you to do, yet you're not doing it because someone else has said something to you about it, that's a sign of compromised faith. That's a sign somebody said something and you made some sort of compromise and you watered it down so they wouldn't be upset with you because you were going to do something maybe radical. All right? When I was thinking in this space, I was thinking about you know, we, we have this rampant, I mean, I, I voted, my first time I voted was in 1980. I voted for Ronald Reagan. That was like Tip O'Neill. You guys would know, some of you would know that more than me. Man, it was awesome because I liked how like these guys liked each other in the 80s, right? These guys liked it. The Democrats and Republicans, they, 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 they liked each other. They were making compromises. And we're at this point where there's like no compromise in politics, no compromise in this or this or this. And politics is the exact place we're supposed to be compromising in me is where i'm not supposed to be compromising so if i spend so much energy about the compromise about a wall or no wall or taxes or no taxes or health i'm so have so much energy over there i don't even recognize where my compromise is and that's the only way that's the only compromise i can really take care of and that's the compromise that really will change my life and bring me down some wrong paths. And uh, I'll share some of that later. Um, now, I'm going to I'm going to teach this probably this summer. We're going to do we're going to be speaking on Psalms, so I might not teach this till till after the summer, but this idea of this obedience is better than sacrifice. That now 1 Samuel 15. 
with Saul and Samuel. King Saul, Samuel the prophet. Saul has an order of how to go about battle and what to do with the victory spoils. He doesn't do it. It's the perfect example of compromised faith. And if we watch out just for how he compromised, we'll miss the system of his thinking that is compromised, the system of his belief in who God is that's compromised. But one, one reason we like to compromise is because it keeps us in control. But there is, if there is no faith for a Christian if it's not something that's acted upon. We're not allowed to. It's unhealthy. I should say it's, we're allowed to because we do it. I do it all the time. It's unhealthy for me to say, I believe, and not then actively walk into that and take a risk. Faith is always accompanied by action or it's no faith at all. And faith means risk. When you decide you're going to connect with a ministry or pray with somebody or, or even be in relationship. You're taking a risk. When you have kids, you're taking a risk. When you get married, you take a risk that something can and something will go wrong in the future when you have kids or when, you have, uh, when you're married. <clears throat> and that's okay. We're all willing to take that risk because we believe there's something coming out of that. And so for us as Christians, what, what do you believe God wants to do this year? Take some believe that. Move towards that. If you get a sense that there's some compromised faith, Work on the faith, not the action first. Work on the belief that's within you. I heard somebody on Facebook the other day, somebody posted something about love. <clears throat> Don't do this because it irritates me. If it's you, I'm going to personally message you and say, take it off Facebook. No, okay. They posted about love, which is totally appropriate. This person responds, this is so much what the church needs. And I want to respond, that's exactly what you need. The church isn't some entity all by... The church is me and you. We shouldn't be saying, I wish churches would do this. I wish churches would do that. If you want churches to do that, you do that. You do that. We're full. Town is full. The city of Houston is full. The United States of America is full of churches coming together in unity on one person's belief of how church and life should be. And we're all supporting that one thing. I'm, I'm good with that. But... We're all ministers. We should all be exercising our faith regularly. Not, I mean, give financially. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want you to hear, I don't want you to hear, don't fall, that there's no rules to follow. I don't want you to hear that sin is not going to catch up with you and bite you in the backside. One day it will find you out. I'm not going to say any of that. What I'm, and I'm not saying don't give, and I'm not saying don't be part of a big church or a small church. What I'm saying is don't, let your faith be compromised by giving it over to somebody else and hoping that they will perform the very thing that you're supposed to be performing. We are called to be worshipers. We're called to be ministers. We're called to be salt. We are. We are. Not we're going to do a work day, which is great. We've done work days. Those are fine. We are, you and me. And it's not pressure to be that. It's not pressure. It's an honor. It's like, oh, what he's telling me to do is like he's already designed me. And when I start doing what he's designed me to do, I'll never be happier. I'll never be happier when I'm praying for people to be healed, especially if that's the call on my life. In fact, I should look for people, you know, 
I like, I like life coaching. I like coaching people and talking through those conversations. I have to, like, stop myself from doing that. I have found something. I've never, had to, I've never had this whole thing to preach to people, although I've been doing ministry for 30 years. But I've always, like, when it, when it comes to life coaching, I will do everything. I'll be online at night with this, this thing called Zoom, and I'll be talking to people and doing this coaching model with them. Because I was, it's like I was designed to do that. That's ministry. What are you designed to do? Walk in that. And you'll find, when you start walking and acting towards something, you will find that part of your bridge or your system or your electrical is, is, is compromised. And that's totally okay. God knows it. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you rather use all the rooms in your house instead of going, okay, the electricity doesn't work back there, so I'm not going there. Eventually, you've got one electric cord from a friend's house, and you're cooking in your big, fabulous kitchen on a little hot pad because your, your, your house of faith has been compromised, but you don't want it to be exposed that it's been compromised. We're okay with exposure. It's okay if somebody says, if, 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 if God says through somebody or to us, hey, that's a sin. <clears throat> hey, I don't like that about you. Because he's saying it in complete and absolute love. It is, it is awesome for him to expose areas of weak faith in us. We should be unafraid of it. In fact, I think every time you step out in faith and you, you expand your tent a little bit more and you don't need faith as much, I think he's calling us to step out a little bit more. I really do. And then we need, then we need faith. And we see where the, the electrical system for the space that we had is no longer good. We can't carry the load for the bigger ministry that he wants. So we have, to, we have to go back and step out in faith again and believe even at a deeper level. All right? So we'll, we'll continue this compromised faith uh, series, but I wanted to share that this morning as that's been a lot on my heart. So just go ahead and stand up.